0: Listening to the Coffee Podcast, where our focus is people and our language is coffee. I'm Weston Peterson.
1: And I'm Jesse Hartman. What Brings the Quality.
0: And Jesse brings the cafe. As growing talks in the coffee industry are focusing on sustainability, I feel it is absolutely crucial to discuss some of the basic mechanics of the futures commodity market. With certifications including Fair Trade USA, Fair Trade America yes, two different entities, Rainforest Alliance, Organic, OOTS, we'd all like to assume that we're doing our part in paying fair prices for our coffee. But according to Ears on the Ground, these certificates are not paying the price.
1: Well, I mean, I I don't even know where to begin here. OOTS! That's right. <laughs> yeah, Wes wasn't making a... Uh like a new cool term, that's actually a certification. So that's right.
0: you know, what do these certifications even mean? What do they do? Well, certificates were established for coffee producers. They provide a set standard in which a coffee is to be produced, and it essentially demands uh, a minimum price for the coffee. Um, usually there's regulations for it to be considered organic, and there's certain characteristics that will make it um, Rainforest Alliance. Now, you know, in order to obtain these certificates, you have to be, of course, inspected, and you've got to meet all the standards. So it falls in favor with the producers when they can meet these standards, because it automatically qualifies them for a set minimum price. Uh, for example, this really comes in handy, um, we'll use fair trade, when uh Cooperatives are fair trade certified. They can count on uh, a minimum price of $1.40 per pound for washed aravica. Um and $0.30 cents more if it's organic. So for a producer, you want to be certified. Um, it's kind of a, a cushion when the market falls below desirable levels.
1: Now, now let's ask a question about you know, organic certifications. These aren't cheap, right? I mean, this is not a cheap way to make coffee.
0: So, well, usually it just, you know, you have to have a certain percentage of, like, shade covering, and you need to have a certain amount of, um, like, natural uh, plants in your coffee. Like, you can't just have a straight-up coffee plantation for a Rainforest Alliance. You need to have, like, a percentage of um, naturally occurring plants plants growing along with the coffee. sure, And that actually helps produce better coffee as well, because if you think of it like an immune system, if it's completely stripped of all of its, like, defense system, then it's really susceptible to disease. Now with, like, uh, you know, naturally occurring plants and, and other things mixed in with your coffee, it actually provides sort of a defense system, which can keep your coffee and your crop healthy and alive. All
1: right. Well, okay. So you talked about, um, a desirable coffee market level. I'm not even sure what that means. I mean, uh, like establishing a price in the market. What can you elaborate?
0: I just, I consider desirable market level. Um, now this is strictly on the producer side. I'm talking coffee lands here for this episode. Uh, a desirable level or market level would be one that covers all cost of production rates Per harvest and provides living wages for the farmers now we often find um, problems that occur uh, or not problems, but kind of uh, obstacles that the coffee futures market faces um, you know such forces as supply and demand uh, you know weather conditions you know such as drought flooding um, disease you know Roya all these have an effect on harvest at how much they will yield. Now, of course, you know, being intrinsic with supply and demand, large harvests will cut the price and value per pound, like what that coffee can be sold for. Um, so, you know, what people, will, what producers will tend to do is they'll start to rally the market, which is essentially, it's, uh, it's a tactic used by producers um, to kind of uh, scare speculators or whatever, and I'll get into speculators later, but it's a tactic used to increase the value of their coffee. So what they'll do is they'll start making claims of large rain in Brazil, cutting yields by 20% or you know large droughts are affecting you know Brazil cherries and they're not harvesting, whatever. They'll make it whatever they can, enable to make their harvest look like it's actually going to yield less. If they can do that successfully, um, you know, the market will rally and it will increase the value of their coffee. So, uh, you know, to them, that's a a win. They want their coffee prices to be higher.
1: Sure, I mean, that that makes a a
0: lot of sense. Another thing that goes into, um, you know, obstacles that the market has are like major speculative swings. Now, these are... You know speculators which are traders who deal only in futures contracts and never handle any physicals um, you know speculators are known to chase swings in market levels trying to settle at profitable margins um, they really they don't deal with any sort of physical product at all it's all paper they're buying and selling futures, dependent on what the market is at so when a market is flooded by speculators you know, oftentimes, it causes drastic inflation or deflation, which takes momentum right out of the sales of the intrinsic natures of supply and demand. So almost, you know, it's like the market starts to, um, you know, march to a different tune. Essentially, like if uh, a lot of speculators will flood the market, it doesn't matter really what supply and demand is. Um, Can offer. It's just dependent on what the speculators are trading at and the influence that that has on the market. Another thing that will affect what coffee is traded at is currency. Now, obviously, when you're talking about the market, you're talking about trading. Um, And I don't, I'm just, I'm going to be talking to people as if it's like a new topic, whatever. If you know about the market, that's great. Um, But currency plays a huge part in how stuff is traded obviously coffee happens to be traded by united states cents per pound so that's based off of the u.s index right the united states dollar um so obviously or consequently due to inflation and deflation of our currency it directly affects what coffee is traded at Uh, for example when The United States dollar is strong. You know, if you think about the dollar, if you think about money, instead of by, like, the dollar amount, but if you think about it, you know, the value it represents, if the value of the dollar decreases, it's going to cause a lot more dollars to equal that same amount, right?
1: Yep, that sounds very right.
0: So... If the value drops on the dollars, it means that you need to pay more dollars to equal the same amount. If the value of the United States dollar is high, it means it takes less dollars to equal the same value. Get it?
1: That, that seems to make some logical sense.
0: That's right. So if the United States dollar is strong, it will cut the dollar amount of coffee because it's strong in value. And coffee will trade at lower levels, obviously, because coffee is traded by United States cents per pound. Sure. Um, Now, when the United States dollar is down, it causes more dollars to equal the same amount, which is reflected in the coffee market. The coffee market is going to trade at higher levels because it takes more dollars to equal the same value. So it's almost as if you got to take what we think about as dollars having a set value and you got to think about it as like, dollars just represent a value. If the value of dollar is down, it takes more dollars to equal that. If the dollar or if the value of dollars is strong, it takes less dollars to equal that. Right. Anyways, the coffee market reflects that.
1: Now, now obviously the cost of coffee is not linear, right? Like that it's it's, you know, changing in the market is not something that's linear. So you can't just, you know, inflate the American dollar and say now coffee is you know, right? Or, or am I wrong? Well,
0: if and that's where it goes into speculators, because speculators are, like I said, swing. Ch- they're chasing swings. So if the value of the United States dollar is high, speculators are going down and trading on the United States dollar. Right. They're trading on dollar values, which makes coffee prices drop. Hey, that's good for roasters.
1: That's good for <laughs> if you're not on the producing side. Right.
0: Uh, Anyways, interesting, interesting, and if you are you know at, at all interested in learning more about that, um, it's very interesting. Now, also here's the third cache. <laughs> I said interesting plenty of times. It's very, very interesting. No, the part
1: was when it's when you're saying if you're interested about learning about that. Well, it is interesting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you just exactly. Uh, one more thing you've got to consider is you know the producing country's currency as well, um, because that's that's. The money that they handle there. So if, um, just for instance, this is happening in Brazil, but if a producing country currency is down and the United States dollar is strong, then that makes almost the producing country's currency worthless, almost. Wait,
1: co- okay, say that again.
0: Because if the value of the United States dollar is very strong. Right. Coffee is going to trade at low prices. Oh, yeah. If coffee trades at low prices, right? The prices are already low by United States standards Mm -hmm. and the producing country's currency is down. Uh, That's just like tragic low values.
1: Right? That's basically.
0: Sure. Well, and really in in Brazil and other places where. You know, if, you're, if the producing country's value of their currency is cut and the United States dollar is strong, man, you're looking at some rough times. I'll tell you that. Because coffee is being traded at low levels by United States standards and your currency is at low levels. Um, ultimately, you know, the market dictates the price at which coffee is traded. So if market levels find themselves too low, it can cripple farmers, consequently.
1: Well, you know... I have to ask the question, you know, in relationship to the uh, the value of the U.S. dollar. You know, how low can you go? You know.
0: Yeah. Well, I've heard differently um, from different sources, but you know, they've all everyone's kind of agreed on. You know, a buck twenty to a buck thirty a pound is the decided price in which coffee can be traded that um, provides a desirable rate you know it covers all costs of production and living for that farmer
1: here's a legitimate question and we i know this may this may be outside the realm of your knowledge but i'm still going to ask it maybe it's something we can find the answer to but as far as knowing the cost of of living you know for farmers is that something we really do know? like considering all of the possible origins of our
0: coffee right
1: can we really know that how do we know that you know how do we know we're covering their cost of living and do we really know that
0: you know i don't think we do um to be honest and i don't even know if producing countries exactly know because um you know here's something i was going to get into i guess i kind of missed it but uh depending on your harvest yields you know your cost of production is different from year to year and you are never gonna ultimately know it costs this much to make this much coffee because you're either gonna have more or less. Um, and when you you think you know large harvests are good, yeah, but what do you have to do now? You have to pay laborers right. more money to harvest your coffee. The large harvests, like I said before, cause market levels to drop because there is a large supply of it. Sure. So your large harvest almost gives you. It makes the the price of coffee devalue and you're paying laborers more for their work. Right. So that hurts you in the end.
1: Now, okay, here's, a, here's another, or, or maybe this is more of a, a scenario, but like, you know, the farmers in South America say who are spending a good deal of money producing their coffee and trying to create a consistently high quality coffee, that takes money, right? Absolutely. And so yeah. this is kind of something we touched on, but isn't it true that, you know, when the market value sinks, it might hurt, you know, people producing better coffee more than it's going to hurt, you know, say those producing those natural Ethiopians because it's like, like, I mean, how, how does that really, you well,
0: know, um, it did,
1: production costs are different, right? Very yeah. different.
0: Yeah. And, and that's why there's, there's called price hedging. Um, and it's price fixing essentially where um, you can with the futures market set prices pretty much as far out as your broker or your um your importer or your trader or whoever's facilitating your account is willing to is them? willing to okay so we've had roasters who book market prices three years out on one market level
1: yeah that seems extremely risky because
0: the futures market yeah exactly but it trades at um you don't just you know you just not just like you buy and sell like instantly like everything that's purchased is purchased on the futures market which is it's like it's like you're setting you're setting a price for the future right so right now we're trading in may 2016 which means that we're setting prices in may and we're waiting for those slots to be filled meaning people on the producing side are like hey yeah the market's at a a buck 31 let's price fix right they price fix at a buck 31 and then all the roasters who are sitting here like oh yeah you know i price fixed at a dollar 30 well hey we we hit their mark that slot is filled a trade complete whatever so that's a little bit how price fixing goes which can you know it can protect the it protects both sides essentially sure from drastic market changes like that so
1: okay so let's let's get a grasp of what happens when the market falls what happens when it falls you know below say a buck 20 a buck 30
0: well, the market has been that low, um, even since recording this podcast. Uh, it, we've seen it as low as a dollar in the last few months, and even, you know, over the last few years, the the market has traded at lower than a dollar. I think at one point it was like eighty six cents per pound of coffee. Um, but it's, you know, usually what happens at that time is farmers will eventually stop growing coffee. And they're going to start growing other forms of crops, you know, such as potatoes, bananas, apples—really anything that will make them more money than coffee will. Obviously, because to them, it's all about you know covering their cost of living. And coffee isn't always driven by passion, especially in the coffee lands. Coffee is you know usually grown in order to provide a living. So if coffee is no longer providing a living because of low coffee market. They're going to switch crops and grow something else. Well, um,
1: and and okay, here here's a sorry. My mind is going to you know how how does the market work as a whole too you know and at the end you know is a big company who's buying a lot of coffee like what does that do to this market you know or is
0: I, I think it, I think it sustains the market honestly. Right, I yeah. think it does because um, it's it's paying you know. It's paying for a large portion, portion of their coffee, which even though it's not specialty coffee and I'm not consuming it and Jesse's not consuming it, and probably you listeners aren't. Or maybe but, you are. But what it's doing is it's covering the cost of production in that producing coffee region. So that's good.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting too, you know, I think in, you know, you're always worried about waste in shops as far as coffee goes, but... Right. We've also kind of like danced around the idea that, you know, what if waste actually wasn't such a bad thing because it causes you to buy more coffee? Yeah, it's sure. bad. It's bad on, on your end. On but, your margin. Yeah. But, you know, the producer's like, you know, throw the coffee on the floor. Like, well, not really, but
0: Dude, financially sometimes, speaking, sometimes they'll leave cherries on the tree to rot. They just won't harvest our coffee.
1: That's smart.
0: Exactly because they don't want to over—they don't want to pay laborers to go out there to pick cherries that are going to be selling at a low price. Anyways, we could seriously talk a long time about the market, but essentially, what will happen, you know, with coffee guys uh, or coffee producers switching crops is um, that it will bring about major shortages in the market, which eventually causes a major rally in years to come. Sometimes pushing the market upwards three dollars per pound and we've seen it that high so it might sound like whoa like oh gosh people are stopped growing coffee but what happens when the market reflects that the supply is down right and demand is high right and then it swings again exactly and then coffee goes from a buck 10 a pound to three dollars a pound dang
1: and then, yeah, and you you were mad about your four dollar latte, well, you just wait
0: well, sure, and then and then <laughs> you know, coffee's right back in it, so we've right. always seen that you know, people will pull out um when coffee markets are too low, and then they'll jump back in again when when coffee prices you know raise again, um and that's just that's just the market, that's just trade,
1: but okay, um, so you know, the market closed today at a buck thirty today right yeah so,
0: uh, book what, 31
1: book 32 so why are producers claiming you know the market is an issue why why is it is this, does that have to do with speculation what, what is um
0: on? you know here's where i have got to do a little bit of speculation for myself i think uh producers are claiming it's not enough um to cover their cost of production maybe because it's you know the call for a higher quality is finally reaching the ears of the producers and it's causing the cost of production to increase as labor and equipment increases in order to produce a higher product so you know here's what we've got to address you know uh, in producing a higher product which is traded at lower values um, we're almost taking the wind out of our specialty coffee sales because these producers are taking a financial risk. They're putting more money into cost of production to create a very high quality coffee.
1: With, with, I, you know, I, I think, I would think with the hopes that that risk would pay off more than...
0: Absolutely. You know, in, and in a, in a lot of times when the market is trading at low, they don't ever see those returns, um, which causes you know a lot of these producers to not take the financial risk involved in producing high quality coffee um because they they don't think it's worth the return so they'll settle on traditional practices of just commodity coffee and hope that big companies like folgers and uh you know Pete's or whoever buys their buck 30 a pound coffee um because by taking less risk in production costs, to them, they think they have a better chance at meeting their um, cost of production and living at the end of the year. Right, and... It's the safest bet for them.
1: I mean, the biggest thing I'm taking out thus far is coffee's, coffee is a futures market. I mean, it's very heavily futures. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these producers, from what you're telling me, are they're in a risky business, you know, farming, farming is risky. I mean, if you're farming to self sustain, like that's a different story, but when you're farming for a living, like it's your business and you know, you have a drought or something. I think that's when these, these uh, certificates that we talked about earlier, like really come into play. They're really, you know, they say contracts save, or what is it? Contracts save relationships or something like that, but (laughs) it, it, it's basically in business, like contracts are extremely helpful. Um, because there's there's always going to be that storm that sweeps in sure you know and and that's tragic but if there's a contract in place like you know th- luckily that farmer gets well, some portion yeah yeah depending on the contract
0: but well and it's so weird because you know you, you'd think like a storm might be you know really bad as far as um you know what what coffee is going to be trading at but it could actually well it could hurt them but in two different ways yeah like they their harvest is their harvest yield is uh, you know swallowed up and so they've got less of a harvest still selling at low prices because what they thought was a large harvest and they've got a differential sitting at plus 45 so let's say you've got your coffee locked in at a $1.60 a pound because you're expected to have Five hundred thousand pounds of coffee. Um, El, Na- El Niño hits, <clears throat> and you only have three hundred thousand pounds of coffee. You don't have that extra two hundred thousand pounds, so you don't you don't have those extra two hundred thousand pounds going at a buck sixty. What you're doing is you're eating that two hundred thousand pounds at a buck sixty in your cost of production. That hurts. Sure, um, but what it is, it is it does come in their favor when. They're, they're expecting to have a very low harvest like maybe only a hundred <clears> thousand pounds excuse me and then coffee is price fixed at two bucks and twenty five cents uh and then what do you know like just nice rain and and good harvest and they you know and ended up with three hundred thousand pounds that's like three hundred thousand pounds price fixed at two twenty five i mean it's not exactly that simple i mean a lot of intricate stuff goes into trading coffee but um yeah it's Here. just Contracts are good and bad in different circumstances.
1: Practical questions here. Why should the home brewer or the barista at the end of the chain, of the coffee chain, why should they care about these things?
0: Well, essentially, um, you know, the producers who are taking the financial risk that is involved in producing a higher quality coffee I think they require a higher value, you know, and a buck twenty isn't gonna cut it. So the barista and the home brewer needs to care about this because we want producers to to see the profit at the end of the day. We want them to see the returns of specialty coffee. We don't want them to be turned away because of low market prices and um, at the end of the year, affecting their cost of production because their coffee sold as undervalued. We want to be involved and we want to be educated in order to make the difference and go out and support the producers who are taking that financial risk. Because if we're not, if we're not uh, helping them, if we're not supporting them, we're taking the sail out of our own... I'm sorry. We're taking the wind out of our own sail. Taking
1: our sail out of the wind. That's right. Our own winds. Um, okay. Uh, more specifically, you know, our theme of all the hands, how all the hands touch coffee throughout the chain. And we, you know, we presented the issue of do do we even know what producers need to uh, sustain their living or, you know, to be provided with that? What is the solution? And... What does this have to do with all the hands?
0: Well, I think the solution um, for cost of production um, would to be heavily involved in the entire process of um, producing the coffee. You know, going through the milling stages. Um, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of factors that we can't always account for. Um, that comes from just things that are out of our hand when coffee can be. Um, going afloat and one of the containers isn't sealed properly and all your coffee gets wet Um, and that's called wet bags and the importer and the shipper and the producer and everyone's got to pay pretty much for that coffee to be um, salvaged reconditioned and what these guys have to do is they got to spread out the coffee and dry it and put into dry bags and that comes at a large cost so there's a lot of factors that come into cost of production that really no one can think of they just happen so
1: like with any business with
0: anything like it's just so volatile like there's you can't just say oh well it was at this much last year so we're going to expect it to be the same this year i mean there's really no telling um so i would highly recommend you know direct trade direct trade as, as we've been talking about you know going there meeting the producer seeing his needs seeing uh you know if you're if you're requiring a quality coffee from him, you need to expect to pay um, the price. Right.
1: Yeah. And I, I would say along those lines, quality for quality sort of thing. More so, yeah, we completely care about that farmer. But who are we to be enjoying and sitting down and drinking these delicious cups of coffee by a producer who's barely making a living, who has a family and other people on his farm to pay? You yeah. know, like that's an issue, right? Sure. And it's an issue. If we don't care about these things, we're going to forget about the people all the way at the beginning of the of the chain. And I think that's extremely detrimental uh, to specialty coffee.
0: Absolutely. We've always got to be people focused as we talk about coffee and as we educate about all the hands involved.
1: Right. So as you're sipping on your Spro or your cup today, think about these things. Think about the market Uh, and hit us up on Instagram for any questions you might have.
0: We are the coffee podcast where our focus is people and our language is coffee. Happy brewing. It's like the first time you ever hit it on the first (laughs)